electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Major indices aiming for a third day higher. First day, first time since early March, as it is Fed Day. EU proposes that ban on Russian oil. And ADP comes in weakest in a year, the latest sign of slowing growth. Our roadmap begins with Fed expectations. Investors are awaiting a more hawkish Fed, expected to hike rates by half a point for the first time in more than 20 years. Plus, of course, we are watching a lot of corporate results. Uber, Lyft, Starbucks, Marriott, Airbnb, those are just to name a few. And AMD's another one, shrugging off concerns of a PC slowdown, sales surging 71%. CEO Lisa Sue will join us exclusively in a few minutes. We're going to begin with the most anticipated Fed decision in many years. Today at 2 o'clock Eastern time, Fed Chair Powell and fellow policymakers expected to announce a 50 basis point hike. The watch is on to see what Powell might say at the news conference about future rate moves. And, of course, CNBC will bring you full coverage of the Fed decision later this afternoon. Um, hasn't hiked by more than 25 uh, since 2000, Jim. We had a lone 75 hike in the 94-95 cycle. Right. It's interesting. There was some research out today which said the 95 post-cycle, the banks outperformed, which meant that you finally got the short rates up. They, they paid you almost nothing in your checking account. They got to keep a lot of money. Uh, that would be actually a godsend because I think then you get all these people who believe that the Fed is impotent, off their backs, people would start getting scared that perhaps they're going to miss a stock rally because what's going to happen is they may actually tackle the inflation correctly. David, I think that there's a perception right now that Jay Powell has lost control of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I say, don't you dare take on Jay Powell like that. You're still a believer. I am. You think he's got it under control? I think that it's within his ability to both tighten but say, I'm not going to just do this gigantic roll-off of bonds. Right. And that might cause kind of a, you know, a decent rally. Yeah, I mean, that's funny. I have somebody this what morning do you say, do we rally at the Fed because people are terrified? <laughs> David's got something going here. People are terrified. But that kind of a rally doesn't usually have legs. Only if you see, like the piece we had this morning about freight coming down, only if you see that we, we have a, a series of commodities go down that have been intractable. But you, look, I saw a piece today which says that it was pretty attenuated. I admit. Amazon's not doing well, so Amazon won't build as many uh, warehouses. They're 7% of the steel, so therefore steel goes down, and that takes care of steel. Now, I mean, you know, hip bone connected to the leg bone, but... I know, but at the same time, it does get back to sort of demand or at least this creation of overcapacity that, that resulted from the pandemic right. surge. It's funny because I missed the Amazon I'm quarter. I'm I uncomfortable this, with you being on my side. I pulled this from the conference call. It's just so funny how you think because I wanted to make sure I, I looked at Amazon Ryan, more closely in terms of it was pretty extraordinary, Jim, when Amazon said that uh, we have too much labor. 
Um, Ready-made labor, truck drivers. Our reaction to it was in an uncertain labor environment. A lot of people were out on leave. We hired more people and then found ourselves overstaffed. Why are you the only other person who mentioned that? I mean, I read that and I said, here comes the layoffs. Carl, a person who drives for Amazon gets laid off. Well, that's going to be a surplus truck driver, which means that a lot of people who are worried about truck drivers are suddenly going to have truck drivers. They're going to be from Amazon, well-trained. So we have certain, my old friend Larry Kudlow would always say they're green shoots. Now, a lot of time that was, there would be a giant cement floor and he saw green shoots. I, I, it's hard to see the green shoots, but sometimes grass can break right through cement. You ever seen that when it comes through, making yes, a little one? I have. And you have to have weed whacker? Empty Green lots. shoots, mustard seeds. Larry had a lot of uh, axiism. Kale. But uh, ADP today, uh, 247, lightest in a year. Small business down 120. That was very interesting. Which uh, has some people believing either, either we're slowing down in aggregate or companies like Amazon were able to steal so many workers that smaller firms said, we can't do it. Well, there's, we had a, a guy, Uncle Jack Steak today. Uh, it was a guy on with uh, Becky. Can we please give everyone a Logitech webcam so people don't look like that they're coming from outer space? But he was talking about how, how hard it is, but he's still opening stores. Well, I got to tell you, good for him. How hard it is, people closing stores. You can't, if you look at the economics of a restaurant right now, and you want to start a restaurant, and you say, okay, well, listen, I'm, I will only lose 10000 a month. You, you, you sound like you're speaking from experience. All right. Well, what, what, so all this back to the Fed, kind back of. to your your continued uh, belief in, in Jerome Powell's ability to navigate this. Yes. I don't know. We just threw out a lot of different things just in the course of the last few and minutes. And are going that Jerome's are, way? They're going Jay's way. But a lot of the billionaires, come on. Now, billionaires don't need to get rich again. You see, because they're billionaires. And they just say, you know, Jay lost it. Jay should quit. Too bad about Jay. I feel bad that Jay's, I mean, like, Jay's like a commercial, he's like a sitcom that's been canceled to these people. Yeah, Jay didn't last that long. They didn't renew Jay. Netflix chose not to renew Jay. Season, Tokyo season Vice, one? Jay. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, subscribers yeah. are down. Yeah, they're not renewing him. Yeah. Arpu's too low. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jay's got, he, he didn't, didn't have legs. Well. He didn't yeah. have legs. Right, no legs. Couldn't get to that second season. Didn't have the plot. Could, could Paramount Plus pick you know? Jay up? Maybe, but their ARPU, that's why that stock was down yesterday, actually, guys, I find out. You know, really? Average revenue per user well, was when not I listen to Jay, I mean, First of all, can I just say Jay's a public citizen? He's not crushing it. These are not years where he's, like, bringing home the bacon, although bacon's doubled in price, so that wouldn't be so bad. What he's doing is trying to figure out how to slow it down. And can I just say, without doing anything, he got the rates to three. He didn't really do anything. Well, that's, that used to be considered brilliant under a previous Fed chief. Actually, under two previous Fed chiefs. But no, not Jay. Now, what is he doing, David, that is making it so that even though he's getting it right, people denigrate him? What is he doing? What do they want him to do? I saw a tweet today from a guy who's a bear trap guy. He's like, you know, he wishes that things were at five. I actually like people working. I like people doing well. These matter. It shouldn't just be protecting rich people from inflation. Now, I do think that ultimately the working person does lose if we don't get inflation under control. I'm not one of those guys. But I do think that Jay is not doing anything that I regard as being stupid. Okay. What do you think of that? What did they say out to Milkins do? 
Yeah, Dave was a lot of smart people. I was. I was. What did they say? They're, they're, they're concerned, but I mean, I said this yesterday. You know, you talk to people, everybody's very concerned, but it, that's typical what was not uh, of, a, of a significant slowdown. But at the same time, when you ask them about their business, oh, that's fine. Do they have China business? I kind of wonder about that, uh, but demand is still fairly strong. Uh, some, some. The China part of this is very interesting no in terms of the lockdowns China. in Shanghai really playing through the supply chain yet again when we thought we were sort of starting to straighten things out just a bit. Right. What? Eight percent of exports uh, out of China come from the Shanghai region. Although, Carl, I mean, they're starting to unlock a little bit there, I think. Right? Really? Today it's about that. public transport. They shut 60 subway stations and uh, we're hoping it doesn't spread to Beijing this this. Look, Dr. Topol, I have one, says, remember, we have no natural (laughs) immunity to this thing, so good luck. Uh, Now, uh, Starbucks, they're not selling a lot in China because you're not allowed to leave your house. It's really hard. They don't have DoorDash bringing it to you. Uh, But U.S. did quite well. Uh, We're going to talk about U.S. comps and the China comps from Starbucks and from Yum China talking about the situation there deteriorating rapidly uh, in the quarter. When we come back, though, let's save some time for AMD uh, getting a boost on better than expected results and some upbeat guidance. We have an exclusive with Lisa Sue in a couple of moments. As we said earlier, shooting for a third day higher for all three major indices. Haven't done that in a couple of months uh, on this Fed day. More Squawk on the Street is straight ahead. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. AMD shares heading higher after very strong results. CEO Lisa Su joins us now to discuss. Uh, Lisa, a couple things, but I just want to start at the highest level. There had been a lot of fear, a lot of scaring, a lot of some CEOs basically saying that PCs are dead, so therefore semis are dead and uh, everything else going wrong. And when I read through your report, I did not feel that way. Can you uh, give us an update about how you could have 71% sales growth, unbelievable expectations, and the PC dead and your company losing share? Well, uh, first of all, Jim, Carl, David, great to be here with, uh, with you this morning. Um, it was a very strong start of 2022 for us. Uh, very strong growth across all of our businesses. 
uh, led by the data center business. That's where we've been strategically focused for the last couple of years, and it's great to see the progress. We doubled our data center business. Uh, very strong, uh, you know, gaming results as well as um, the PC business. And you know, what I would say is. Jim, um, you know, this is all about being in the right segments. And, you know, we have, you know, strategically been focused on having our product portfolio aligned with the higher end of the stack and, you know, um, you know really higher value products. And that really came through in our you know, revenue growth as well as our margin expansion. You know what, I think the narrative that we were expecting from you, which was really decided by others, including one gentleman who's going around and saying that the sky is falling, particularly uh, the over AMD. Uh, but what I really loved was that I had expected that Xilinx was going to be a single-digit contributor. I was very worried that you overpaid for Xilinx. I hadn't heard a word about Xilinx. I couldn't have seen a better number. I can't recall when Xilinx was this strong, and I followed the company for 25 years. This thing's working, isn't it? Well, I am so excited. You know, we closed Xilinx um, in February, so we had half a quarter of Xilinx as part of our first quarter results. But more importantly, Jim, I mean, strategically, Xilinx is such a great fit with the AMD portfolio. Uh, what we now have is a diversified set of businesses, um, you know, that really are, um, you know, all about high performance computing and adaptive computing. You know, Xilinx grew, um, you know, on, on a pro forma basis, 22 percent um, in the first quarter. Uh, we now see them growing sort of low 20s, um, which is a great growth rate. And if you add that on top of, you know, the AMD business, we're going to grow, you know, 60 percent year over year into 2022. So uh, we're excited about the combination. We're excited about what we can do in sort of the, the key markets that we think are going to be the secular growth drivers for us um, in not just 22, but really over the next three to five years. All right, at your upcoming analyst meeting, which I'm really looking forward to, is it possible that you might be able to say that you care more about or that we, the streets you care more about aerospace, defense, industrial, health care, and, of course, auto, than, uh, than throwaway PCs like the one I have, which I would toss at you and I really don't care? <laughs> well, I, I, w I wouldn't exactly say that, Jim, but what I would, what I would say is um, we have a great set of markets and great exposure across um, extremely important markets. So, you know, data center uh, for sure, uh, communications, um, all of uh, automotive, frankly, is becoming um, a driver for us, uh, you know, which wasn't for, let's call it standalone AMD. Um, then you add industrial, aerospace and defense. Um, the PC market continues to be a good market. Now you have to be in the right parts of the PC market. So yes, there's a little bit of softness in the low end of the PC market and in consumer. Uh, we've been focused on premium and you know, high end and commercial. Um, and in those areas, you know, we believe we can still grow. And so the key is to think of AMD as really you know, a broad-based high performance computing company. All right, I'm going to go right there because I like you. I've known you for a while. And you don't have to go there, but I have to. Uh, there, uh, Pat Gelsinger has been telling me that you've been losing a lot of share. Uh, but I see from the analysts that you picked up 15% quarter over quarter and Intel declined 6.5%. Uh, could all the analysts be wrong, me be wrong, uh, people walking on the street be wrong, people who buy PCs wrong, people who buy servers wrong, or are those numbers right? Well, uh, we believe we gained um, revenue share in our uh, key markets. So we believe we gained uh, server share. You know, we doubled 
um, our server business, uh, you know, year on year. Uh, we grew in cloud and enterprise, which, you know, as you know, are really, um, you know, extremely good markets in terms of, you know, their need for high performance. Um, you know, we believe we gained share on the client PC side, and that's really on the strength of our product portfolio. So, you know, at the end of the day, there's still investment in uh, things like, you know, commercial and uh, things like, you know, gaming and these kinds of areas. And uh, that's where we've optimized our portfolio. So uh, we believe we've gained revenue share, and, and our goal is to continue to put great products out there uh, because there is demand when we have, um, you know, a very strong uh, portfolio. People tell me that consoles have gotten much weaker. I had the, the advantage of speaking to Corey Barry earlier this week from Best Buy, the largest console seller. Uh, Microsoft and Sony, sounds like you can't keep them in stock, and that's your business. We are very happy with our overall um, you know, game console business and our gaming exposure. Uh, Jim, I really believe gaming is secular growth. You know, I don't think people should get hung up on you know, what happens in this quarter, the next quarter. I can say for sure that um, what we see is you know, strong demand uh, for game consoles. I think Corey has a very good perspective there. And you know, I also view it as um, this is about you know, sort of a broad-based portfolio where we do have you know, um, access and, and really exposure to all of these growth drivers. So yeah, I'm bullish about the console business um, into uh, the second half of this year. And I continue to believe overall that you know, gaming is a strong market over the next um, you know, several years. Your semi-custom business, much, much stronger. I love the margins there. I think, can you explain to people that when you get semi-custom business, it's not easily ripped out by a competitor? Well, I mean, I think the beauty of um, our portfolio is, you know, we, we have um, a lot of, um, you know, different IP that can be used in different um, market segments. So our semi-custom business actually customizes. You know, we actually design products with our largest customers. It, it may take us three to four years to design, and it may be in the market for five to seven years. And, you know, this, this is the type of um, business where we're building a very deep customer relationships, and we're able to... Uh, to really, you know, optimize together. So I view this as, you know, not just a, a game console conversation, but this is really a broader, you know, customization conversation as, um, you know, customers really think, how am I going to differentiate in the future? So, you know, this is the power of the portfolio that uh, we brought together with AMD plus Xilinx, plus I'm also really excited about our recently um, announced um, Pensando acquisition, which will bring together just incredible capability uh, for, um, for the key markets. There was a moment in the conference call that I think correctly captures the zeitgeist until your numbers came out. Uh, Ross Seymour, a very fine analyst, Deutsche Bank, was talking about uh, where you were plateauing. Uh, you said that you didn't see any plateau. He then apologized for using the plateau word. Now, what does that tells me is, is that there are people who are so negative about this business that it's gotten completely out of whack versus 71% growth, versus in gross margins that are approaching the old days, the, the halcyon Andy Grove days of Intel, and uh, the new work that you're going to be doing in autos. So uh, plateau makes sense or no plateau? Well, we're very excited about uh, the growth that we have. You know, if you look across um, all of our markets, we have substantial growth drivers in the organic AMD business. Uh, we have substantial growth drivers um, in the Xilinx business. Uh, when we come together, we have um, large revenue synergy opportunities um, as well. So, yeah, we're not seeing a plateau at all, Jim. I think what we're seeing is um, substantial demand um, out there in the semiconductor market. There are a few places that we have to be uh, you know, careful watching the market, and we're doing that. So we've de-risked the PC 
uh, business in our second half guide uh, for uh, 2022. But I really see multiple years of growth, especially as we bring this incredible IP portfolio uh, together and really partner with you know, the largest um, you know, customers in the world. So I feel great about um, the growth that we see in the business. That's an interesting point, Lisa. Uh, I wonder, you know, whether it's, whether it's PCs or whether it's gaming, what do you say to people who argue that your own investment cycle, your own CapEx cycle, is going to get a second look on the downside? Well, I think, um, you know, again, Carl, the, the way to think about this is, you know, you're always going to see, let's call it ups and downs due to, you know, very tactical things. Um, I think the, the beauty of a broad-based business is um, the ability to ensure, you know, if you have leadership products, um, people want those, and those are in high demand, and, and we, we absolutely see that. So that's our strategy. I think the, the, uh, the diversity that we have in the business is great. I think the leadership that we have in the business is great, and I think the customer relationships and um, you know, what we've been able to design together have also uh, you know, given us a lot of visibility into what people need in the future. All right, so Lisa, I am a huge believer in stock buybacks. You bought back $1.9 billion. But when I see a portfolio that has auto, uh, aerospace, defense, industrial, healthcare. Wouldn't it be better to put your money toward those bets than it is to keep buying back the stock? Wouldn't that be a better return for shareholders? Well, we are um, really getting to a place where we have a balanced capital allocation you know, strategy. And when we think about it, um, absolutely the first priority is investing in the business. And we have invested a lot. We've grown a lot as a company in terms of both um, organically as well as with our inorganic bets with Xilinx and Pensando. We will continue to make sure that that's the first priority because I'm with you. I think there's tremendous opportunity. Uh, we're investing in software. We're investing in hardware. We're investing in AI. All of those investments will be made. Um, we're also generating a lot of cash. And from that standpoint, um, we also think balanced uh, shareholder return uh, should be there as well. So, you know, our goal is really to create a, a very strong um, financial model um, that, uh, that checks, you know, all of the things that are important to, um, to our constituents. Excellent. Lisa, if we were at the horse races, I would say that the quote from the daily, from the daily racetrack would be pulling away which is what you're doing. Lisa Sue, who is who runs CEO of AMD, pulling away large position for my travel trust. We'll be talking about it tomorrow uh, at our club call. Congratulations for great numbers. It was great to be with you guys this morning. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Coming up next, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell. We'll work our way through Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, Marriott, Starbucks, Moderna, uh, call on Carvana today and a lot more when we come back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Over the last year, we raised prices several times to address increasing inflationary pressures. Yet we experienced negligible customer attrition, once again demonstrating the inelasticity of, of demand for Starbucks coffee. Even so, inflationary pressures have outpaced our price increases, resulting in several points of margin compression in the short term and costing us over 200 basis points in the first half of the fiscal year. All right, let's get to a mad dash as we count you down to the opening bell. A little less than four minutes before we do that. Howard Schultz, of course, firmly in control on an interim basis still. Right. Uh, look, David, there are two Starbucks that was run, run by a previous CEO. Who Kevin Johnson. person. He gets up in the morning, does stuff. And I thought he brought the company technologically where it had to be, digital. And then there's another Starbucks, which is the soul of Starbucks, which says the baristas should be treated better, make more money. Company will therefore make more money. And uh, also the technology, by the way, disenfranchised them when it came to tips. Uh, and Howard made an impassioned plea for why a buyback is not nearly as valuable as fixing what we, until this happened, didn't think needed to be fixed. So on the one hand, uh, I was glad that Howard's there. Uh, on the other hand, if it was so bad, why didn't we know about it? And I think the answer is it was so bad because China closed and that Kevin Johnson did a good job. But obviously there were some unions. And, you know, There's some union questions. issues, yeah, or at least questions. Of course, he had pointed out that you can't negotiate or raise, raise wages for those that are unionizing. It makes it a different uh, dynamic in terms of the conversation between the company and the employees. But he also went out of his way, it seems, to point out the company's debt load has increased because of the buybacks and or the dividend. What do you make of that? I well, mean, it, I think he made it sound like it was just another company that was buying back stock without any soul. You know, we have a lot of companies that buy back. Look, I was asking Lisa, are you, Lisa Sue, are you going to buy back stocks? She generates a lot of cash. She's going to use that, but it's primary for growth. If you're Howard Schultz, I think you're saying the baristas have been shortchanged, and that's why it's not as much fun. Uh, the inflation quote we played was, I felt, somewhat minimal. And what mattered is that Howard's going to make it a better experience. He feels the experience, particularly in the afternoon, is not that good. The baristas are, are, are hard-pressed. He doesn't want that. Uh, and I think that overall, he feels like the company has lost the connection to customers. Well, when you have a lot of people just going through a drive through that can happen. Right. I mean, the customers, look, if you want, you want connection customers, Dutch Bros, okay? You go to Dutch Bros, because there's a kiosk, you go there. They mentioned to me, they said, oh, you wanted the uh, super duper octane nitrite. You were here yesterday. And I'm like, I'm from Philadelphia. How did they even, well, it's because they have a smaller scale operation. And Starbucks became a bit of, I'm going to use the term, an assembly line. Not unlike what you might find, say, at a company like Juniper. 
where Mr. Johnson was right. the uh, CEO once. So, Meanwhile, the stock's going to be up a good amount, at it least should be. when it, we start trading well, 50 seconds from now. Well, we felt much better. We, like I'm a barista, my daughter was a barista, so what a hard job. Yeah, it's hard. Making those little hearts. You know how hard it is to make those hearts? Oh, spelling your name. Oh, J, I mean, the I, she's like, oh, the God, get me out. I said, no, I don't do that anymore. I, I can't come in there and fire you. But I will say this, David. I felt better, and if China opens up, you want to be in this stock. Well, we got at least one upgrade. Evercore today takes it to outperform, looking for 95, which would be about 28% upside. Uh, and they did move up their investor day to September. Well, I think it's going to be excited. It's going to be out there in Seattle. It's a better story. I just felt badly because Kevin Johnson got hit by a unique shutdown in China. We got Uber, Lyft, Marriott, but Airbnb is going to be the one to watch today. Uh, Airbnb blew me away. I mean, get this. You were supposed, they were expecting that they'd do $100 million in cash flow. They did $1.2 billion in cash flow. You know, when we look at the companies that came public during this period, there are a lot of companies that really had no intention of making money because they said the opportunity is too great. Chesky was the opposite. Here's an, here's an incredible statistic. He has far fewer people working there than he did in 2019. The leverage of his model is absolutely extraordinary. He has a giant day coming up, which, like May 11, where he says it's going to blow your mind. And I think it's really important to point out that they seem to be a company that is uh, helping more people who are refugees from Ukraine than any company on earth. Business is the greatest force for social change. Chesky is a winner. Remember, he's, doing, he's saying, listen, if you want to work for us, you can work anywhere. David? Aloha, mahalo. <laughs> By the way, uh, I, I love that answer to your question last night about remote work. Probably the most extreme example we have right now of remote work. Here's what Chesky said. The results you saw in Q1, this is our low season, right? Our, our Most people are traveling in Q2 and Q3. So first of all, I'm really excited for what's to come. But you're right. Something remarkable has happened. We're now living in a world where most people that have an office job don't need to go back to the office five days a week. And if you don't have to go back to the office five days a week, you'll have more flexibility to travel longer, stay longer, and go more places. So since they rolled out their policy where you can move anywhere in the country, your pay doesn't change, 170 countries you can live in for 90 days. They got, what, 800,000 visits yeah. to the job site? And a lot of people, remember, the, the, long, the stay time is now a month. The, the numbers that we saw were as the press quarter. I can't believe what numbers he's about to show. Uh, David, yeah. the, the model is a technology-driven model, okay? It's very easy to book. Uh, it offers a much better value. Marriott's going to have a big increase, but it's much better value than a hotel. Starting to offer recommendations as well as to where you might want to even yes. spend some time. And, I mean, listen, it's you, not a surprise that Airbnb would be a leader in allowing its uh, workforce to be remote all the time, because obviously they are a huge beneficiary right. of this trend. When you use Airbnb, what's it like? Mm -hmm. You've used it? No. Not yet. I will. I will. Never a cup of Starbucks. For that 30 days in Hawaii that you just mentioned. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Airbnb 
is the most fun thing in the world. You know, when my daughter was a teacher teaching English in Madrid, they had a horrible lockdown, but every weekend she would go to a new place. So I mentioned that to Chesky. He says, oh, I think your daughter's unique. Like, half the world goes to a new place on a weekend. I mean, he was saying, you know, <laughs> don't you understand the pattern? Yeah. People under 30, they, are, they don't have a lot of money, so they go to somebody else's house. So Marriott, meantime, uh, April Revpar, match 2019, they resume the dividend. Do they lose because of all this or not? No, because the, mar- the market is so big for travel. Uh, and business travel hasn't come back yet. Uh, but I will say that Airbnb is not a travel company. Uh, this is what you're going to hear at the analyst meeting. It's an experience company where you can have an experience. Basically, he won't say this, but I think Brian won't mind it. You lead somebody else's life. You go to their house. You lead their life. I mean, you're, you're queen for a day or king for a day. It's like, wow. I mean, right. I, when I did it in Bucks County, where I'm from, I was like, Wow, you know, this is that rich area. I grew up in the poor area. What a blast, you know, what a blast. David? I hear you. Uh, Well, there's a reason why its market value is more than that of Hyatt and Marriott added up. Right, Um, and it's gonna get much bigger. And obviously gets a far higher multiple, though still down as so many other things are. Speaking of things that are down, guys, Uh Lyft, we should get to, we haven't hit Lyft yet. Uh John Zimmer was actually a guest on on Squawk Box. Nice guy. Uh oh, he gets the nice guy. Um, and I want to take a look at Uber as well. But uh, Q1 was better than we expected, he said uh, in the press release. Ride, share vol- ride volumes reached a new COVID high. That was Logan Green, co founder and chief executive officer as well. Right. New COVID high, but about 70% of where they were in 2019. And you can see uh, this is what, Jim, is preventing anybody from taking. Uh, putting a lot of capital to work. You never know if you're going to come in after an earnings print and be down 30%. Yesterday, it could have been, wasn't, Expedia wasn't quite that bad. No. Today, it's this one. It was Netflix, Amazon. I mean, these moves down oh, on horrible. these misses are horrible. Right, and the gains, KMT um, was perfect, and like, you know, it ain't going to make up for lift. And, and by the way, I, every so often, I do like to point out adjusted EBITDA. I'm not doing this to pick on lift because so many of these companies report adjusted EBITDA. But, you know, adjusted EBITDA does include its, uh, its uh, they take out income taxes, depreciation, amortization, stock-based comp. <laughs> That's how okay. they pay people. Payroll tax expense related to stock-based comp. Uh, um, changes to the liabilities for insurance required by regulatory agencies. Did they take out CapEx? Um, no. Net amount from claims seated under the reinsurance agreement. Um, restructuring charges. Costs related to acquisitions and divestitures. They take a lot of stuff out when you talk about adjusted EBITDA. It's something we don't talk about as often, but it's important to do so. And specifically, stock-based comp. By the way, nobody wants that stock. No offense. No. So you may have to start paying people more in I'm cash. I'm thinking that my restaurant would have made $2 million. If you could have adjusted. 000, if you could have adjusted. adjusted the EBITDA. Well, you're giving people stock-based I comp. I $2 million. Not, dollars. Yeah. No, I, I made a little more than that. I'd give them any stock. If I... You know what, David? What? Tell me. You know what adjusted, adjusted EBITDA means? What? We're lying to you. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then we should be spending a lot more time talking about it every morning because well, it's should. the way these companies are measured. It's all we too should. Wall Street is happy to take it. They're just trying to fool you. I don't know they, about they that. There are things. There are things that are not indicative of the day-to-day okay, or month-to-month operations of the company, well, and just, so they should be separated out. Stock-based comp. Maybe, but my point is that you may be entering a period here where so many of these stocks are down sharply. The companies are going to be obligated, particularly as they compete for talent, to pay more cash. Well, can we? Just and you can't exclude that from. Oh, no, from that's EBITDA. why I like cash flow. That's right. why I thought that 
than Airbnb at 1.2 billion in cash flow. Cash flow really hard to adjust. Yes. Because it's what you make. Yes. Good. You ever hear, did you ever, Mike Angelakis? Yes, used to be the former CEO, CFO of Comcast. I once mentioned adjusted EBITDA at a meeting I went to. And I don't know. I mean, I didn't think he was going to shake my hand at the end of it. It's, like, <laughs> it's called profitable cash flow. He's not a man who likes adjusted EBITDA. No. And then I say, where do you go to the beach? What house? Where, what town? He said, well, it's none of your business. So the well, meeting in. he's, by the way, a board member of ExxonMobil. Just to first, was, yeah, just mention oh, that yeah? as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I wouldn't, I think. Very rigorous he, gentleman. If he were on the board, Very rigorous I would gentleman. say, what would you like? I'll do it. The guy was so smart, but he taught me a valuable lesson. Adjusted EBITDA is nothing. Profitable crash, cash flow. Yeah. And I liked how tough he was, by the way, because that's what you want out of a CFO. You don't want some guy who says, hey, you know what? Let's asterisk uh, insurance. And we don't have to pay for it. Hey, you know what we want asterisk? Safety. We can skip on safety. Did Boeing report adjusted EBITDA? Well, Uber does. Uh, and it was a beat on adjusted EBITDA. Revenue beat, gross booking beat, Jim. Uh, monthly actives up 17. Uh, was a slight miss, like Lyft, but it's not being punished nearly as much. No, but they didn't have this. I mean, somehow they got the costs under control. I mean, Lyft is saying they need to like, pay a lot more for drivers. So maybe they ought to go to Amazon. Well, that's still terrible. Look at that stock. Yeah, well, David, it's relatively less terrible. It's adjusted terrible. <laughs> I mean, Airbnb's up 11. Yeah, Why? They're making down, money. It's only down 50% for the year. Which sort of makes you, I mean, we talked about Expedia yesterday, negative for the year. Uh, obviously, Uber for the year, I imagine, is down now 50%. as well. 50%. Well, yeah. well, that's for one year. I mean, Sorry, for year to date. For the year to date. Well, what, what's happened to the reopening trade? Disney, uh, obviously, Disney. the theme park, our parent as well. You could throw a lot yeah, of names I mean, in there. Disney should come back. They've got some good movies coming out, but you know, people still go in the They're packed. Yeah. But people don't like that. It's a good, coming goodwill charge for uh, Fox, David. What do you think that'll be? I don't know. Oh, come on. Just guess. I it was a $71 billion deal. Yes, it was. It was a very large deal. It will Half. be a large, Half? a large number. 60%? Big, maybe. Yeah. Well, what does that say? You giving me a number that you know? No. I'm oh. just saying that the balance sheet was wrecked. And it's hard to rebuild a balance sheet. Even it is. If you're Mickey and Minnie and, and in part God, it was, what else, you know, that, Pluto. That deal was done for, for direct-to-consumer, which oh, yeah. now is, I think there are a lot more people wondering about the ultimate profitability of that business. And the ability, by the way, of these companies, not just in this industry, but all to reach their customers, to find new customers, which gets back to Apple's privacy policy, by the right. way. You look and, at, and I ties mean, in with uh, Roku and Apollo, exactly. trying to get a piece of some library. Exactly. Hey, look, I, let's just say it. Oil. I mean, Fang, the only Fang that matters now, Diamond Pack, just went to a 9% yield. Yes. Oil. Devin has an amazing yield. Kotara uh, has a fantastic yield. They're not a pioneer because they've chosen to be companies, responsible companies. There it is, oils. In the meantime, oils. remember, that there's a war going on in the Russia. Which we, yeah, we've not sure mentioned uh, oils the ripping EU again. proposal to, to ban Russian uh, imports. Yeah, Germany says... Uh, they're on board, but it's going to drive prices higher. So far this morning, Slovakia and Hungary say either we can't support it or we need a three-year exception. Yeah. But, but well, it's really natural gas. I mean, you know, the well, chemical it's, companies it's, it's oil, Germany, too. I mean, it, yeah, but, but the natural gas. Yeah, but the chemical companies in Germany are not gas. Yeah. Their not gas prices are just uneconomic. 
Um, but securing new supplies and, and uh, making sure you have access to them at all times is not an easy thing to but, do. They're talking about six months, but Carl's right. mentioning some, some but, of the other countries but, wanted but three let's years. Go, let's go back to something that you were very cogent about. When Thank you. When you look at a stock, yes. you, when you look at a stock like Etsy, okay, it's always doing well. Yes. And now when you're, you're kind of thrilled when it's only down a couple of bucks. Yes. You know, Netflix, oh, Jesus, only down four. They must have renewed that J. Powell sitcom. You know, Cloudflare. It's only down two. Right. Datadog's only down three. Rivian, How about that? Rivian's only down two and a half percent. Well, that's a win. I mean, yeah, Lucid's I'm talking only down about 3%. a bear market level of selling that is it's just brutal. incredible. It is. It's brutal. And, and it's like, oh, Nike was only down three, David. When does it end, Jim? That's what everybody watching wants to know. When does it end? When they renew Jay Powell. You know, and it's a cliffhanger. Season two, Jay Powell. Season two. I'll watch that one. I might no. even pay whatever I got. to. What, what does Netflix cost now? $14.99? I don't know, but I was borrowing it from you. I was using your Netflix. <laughs> don't tell Reed. He's going to come to your house and I disconnect you. Password. Password. And I, you know, I could sit through a few ads. I it cost sit, you less. I consider him family. <laughs> you're on the plan. You're on the plan. Yeah, I'll take care of you. I got your Spotify, too. Don't you worry. Oh, I've been using that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it turned out to be that you use your kids' names plus one. I've been wondering See, about I've my, been able to my do that. daily playlist. Two kids, you put the kids' names, oh, one, exclamation point. Sure. Boom, you're in. Uh, we're going to get out of here so Rick can give us a PMI in a couple moments. But to Jim's point, energy is leading this morning up almost 2%. Keep your eye on bonds today. Of course, Fed decision at 2, press conference at uh, 2.30. As we did it, have ADP come in light and a trade deficit number as well. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Rick Santelli here with more breaking news. Our S&P Global PMIs, these are April finals. They will replace the mid-month reads. For the service sector, it was 55.6, replacing 54.7, a nice improvement. We also see big improvement in the composite PMI, which mid-month read was 55.1, moves all the way to 56.0. That's actually now the second highest read of the year on the services index, and excuse me, on the composite, and that really is quite important. We have yet to do ISM services at top of the hour, but it certainly looks as though we may also see some improvement there. Squawk on the Street will return in two minutes. Welcome back. Just more stocks to talk about this morning. Uh, this was earnings from yesterday, but you may remember the numbers on the face of it look good, but the market didn't react well. It does seem average revenue per user was not uh, as high as perhaps had been anticipated. That goes to the larger question, of course, of how much can you spend on content and how much can you charge for it? And is direct-to-consumer, back to the conversation we were just having even about Disney, Jim, um, going to prove to be anywhere near as profitable as the cable ecosystem? I think we know the answer to that, but of course you can't rely on that, so you got to do something. And this is the way these companies have gone. Um, getting people to pay direct, doing most of their production for their direct-to-consumer offerings. Um, and they're spending a lot of money on it at Paramount. Is it a mistake? Well, I don't know what the answer is, uh, but I do know that many people are starting to finally question the overall model itself. Um, we'll see. What's Netflix, gonna, what's Netflix going to spend this year? 17 going to 20 billion? I know. At what point do you get to a price point that's simply un, uh, you know, unaffordable to a certain extent in other parts of the world as well, if not even here? But um, the idea was you could amortize you these yeah. franchises. Yeah. And by the way, you can't rely on sub fees anymore, given the universe keeps 
shrinking of available ho- of homes that are actually want to pay a cable How about bill. But all the talent you have to pay to do this stuff. Well, that's why Squid Game was supposedly revolutionary, is you can take a cheap show that you produce overseas, right. get it to work all around the world, and amortize your production costs. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think that that was the goal. Uh, there just haven't been enough of them. And, and you have these ones, like I'm just watching uh, Tokyo Vice. You know, Tokyo Vice. I'm yeah, not familiar with that name. Yeah, they're not renewing it. They're not renewing it. No, I'm renewing it. I mean, it's like, you got to renew it. You remember the Netflix, remember when Reed used to say we've never had a bad one, we renew everything? Well, I mean, that, you know, that's the golden days. It was the golden days of, of, of uh, it was the golden days of streaming, dude. They didn't last long, did they? <laughs> when everybody was just about getting there, they were over. <laughs> well, how about that Skyworks? How about that Sky? How about that AMD? Hey, it's still up. Is it? Yeah. Only oh, my it's God. backing off. It's up 4%. You, did Pat Gelsinger say anything bad yet? I don't know. By the way, it. NVIDIA and AMD are both down the, the same amount for the year, 33.93%. Well, because they're considered to be gaming card companies, and it's just ridiculous. But you know what? The fact that they're up in a tape where we wanted to talk about Oatly. Well, Janice oh. Henderson is down 14%. That's not good. Assets. Oh, the losses. EPS was taking. not good. Assets the down. beatings people are taking correctly uh, puts Robinhood stock good luck. Uh, yeah. Now, now lending shares. We're going to talk about that maybe Lending later shares. Morning. Let's get to Bob Bassani with the Dow up 100. Hey, Bob. Yeah, getting a nice little boost here from some old school names. Chevron's doing well. Caterpillar's doing well. Honeywell helping the Dow. Take a look at the sectors. Uh, it's energy today. That's where the new highs are. Uh, oil's approaching 107, and that's pushing up uh, energy. Uh, commodity plays in general. Metals and mining doing well. There was a star uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, tech's holding on. AMD's doing great. As you saw, a great interview there uh, Jim had with the CEO of AMD. Banks are up slightly. They've had a terrible week overall. We hit new lows on most of the money center banks on Monday. Modest uh, bounce today. Uh, New highs. It's all energy, folks. Who's making the money? They're gushing cash. Refiners. Valero's at a new high. Marathon Petroleum, two of the big refiners. 52-week highs in the exploration of production companies, all doing well. Devon's at a new high. Cotera. Again, just gushing cash. These are the only stocks on the new high list at the S&P 500, the only ones. Uh, Pity restaurant owners, pity people who've got to make things from plastic, uh, like uh, Tupperware, for example. Did you see Brinker's CEO on inflation? This is the most passed around comment this morning on trading this that I've seen. The CEO of Brinker, this is, of course, Chili's and Maggiano's. We're continuing to navigate some of the most challenging commodity and labor cycles many of us have ever seen. So just to put an exclamation point, the margins here, 12.2%. They were 13.9%. Is that a lot? Yeah, that's like a 12, 13% drop. That's significant. And when the margins start getting impact, the stock moves. And, of course, that's exactly what happens. And they're not the only one. Howard Schultz was talking about this uh, as well. Uh, uh, Dine was talking about it as well. Uh, but there you see it down. The outlook's unchanged, but the earnings per share estimates came down. Of course, obviously, the margins come down. They come down, too. Uh, and there you see it down 13 percent. We've got a Fed meeting today. The big question is very simple. Has the market priced in enough hawkishness for the Fed? Uh, the bulls are in uh, many stocks are at or near multi-year lows right now. And the bulls are insisting, oh, inflation is going to peak. We're going to see that at the CPI. Can I point out what Powell said last week on this exact question? He was asked, is inflation peaking? Here's what he said. In the, in the case of the U.S., we have had an expectation that inflation would peak around this time and would come down over the course of the rest of the year. 
to an extent and then come down further in 2023. These expectations have been disappointed in the past, and now we're really in wanting to see actual progress. It may be that actual peak was in March, but we don't know that. And so we're not going to count on it. So here is Mr. Powell pointing out to everyone who says inflation's peaking. Guys, we don't know and we're not counting on it. I think the bulls are going to have a tough time dealing with that kind of comment. Finally, Carl, just want to mention very quickly, we're going to finally get an IPO worth noting on Friday. Bausch & Lohm is going public on Friday. Key high eye health company. We'll have more about it tomorrow. But, you know, Carl, it's been a miserable quarter for IPOs. Yeah, indeed, Bob. Thanks, Bob Pisani. Okay. Let's get to Jim and stop trading this right, morning. Look, this just shows you how things are, how hard. Uh, Karen Lynch is doing a remarkable job at CVS. I mean, it is doing so well. They've added 600,000 people. Aetna, obviously, they're a big winner when it comes to getting COVID shots. This quarter was magnificent. 222, I was looking for 215, um, 820 to 840 for a billion in revenues coming up. People are looking for 8, uh, 8.1, 8.3 billion. And it's, uh, you know, so what? And this has to end. The so what has to end. That's why I say bring on the rate hikes. Because the way you get that is you distinguish. The rate hikes, some people are going to do well and some are going to do badly. This company's doing incredibly well. Uh, Larry Merlot set it up. Uh, it got stuck in the 50s and 60s forever. Here it goes. But you, you can buy CVS if you think that they're going to get inflation under control because it's doing great. Yeah. Uh, Moderna, too, was uh, higher in the pre-market, but now red. Well, a, that's David's new theory, which is everything goes down. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some days it seems like it's true. Until it doesn't. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? Nvidia's down. I mean, everything that she said was, is good. I, I'm, I'm canceling my show. No, just kidding. Revolve, which is down badly, even though they had a great quarter. GXO, because I care about logistics, because that's the new plastic. And Linda Randall, remember when I said, oh, that Clorox coal was so bad? No, the Clorox coal was so good. Stock is now up eight points. She's getting her arms around the problem. She's going to raise price. The negativity got to the point where even where people, David, wouldn't even drink Clorox. Don't do that. No, you, have to, you can't make jokes about that. No, I'm sorry. Don't I'm do it. Don't drink apologize. it. Apologize. Joke apology. Joke don't apology. inject it. Don't do anything I'm with it. I'm fed up with the market. Clean stuff. It's like with my wife. I, had a, I did a joke apology with my wife. I said that she liked the yard long Toblerone in front of uh, uh, Dirk Van Pert, the CEO of Mondelez. Dirk Van Pert, the CEO of Mondelez. She said, you had to say that. I said, what does it matter? We'll see you at 6, Jim. Mad Money with Jim Cramer, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.